Okay. Um, welcome to our podcast. I'm not even sure which what to call this podcast. <laughs> Let's put it under your name. Our name. Pain to performance. Pain to performance. Pain to performance podcast. Episode. Yeah, what episode five? is it? Yeah, up to five. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to preface this by Tom, you need to talk loud. Hello. Chris, you're okay. Good. Steve, talk loud and I'm okay. All right. Um, okay, so today we're going we're gonna to go through Steve's um, rehab pro process um it's been a bit of a long standing thing that he's been going through and he's been getting help from tom and chris with it with help outside from physio as well but we wanted to go through today um how it started um what happened with your training beforehand how you felt during your preps going into effectus and nats biggest turning points getting through it after so i guess how did it start man like what is it what's uh, going on so being kind of diagnosed as an insertion tear of my hamstring um only small small rupture but still there um yep. i guess going all the way back to affect yeah, us which the way back. this is we're going over 12 months now yeah uh, that it was originally kind of there which was the first flare up was a um like I felt my adductor fully go in a squat. Yeah. Uh, that was the very first thing. Uh, and then I couldn't, you know, my hips were just locked up all the time. Yeah. I'd wake up trying to sleep. I just couldn't move. Yeah. Both hips. I'd just try and find somewhere comfortable. Couldn't get on my side. Couldn't, couldn't really sleep. It's at like all. that, like real TFL pain. Yeah. yeah. Re- really, really bad. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's hard for me to acknowledge pain in the first place, but that was really, really bad. And then, you know, we went into effect as, I tapered and I ended up fine on the platform. Yep. Um, so it was as soon as I took something away, I, I was fine. Yeah. Coming out of effectus, all good um, for a little while. Yep. Then as soon as things started to ramp up going into a, what was originally planned Queensland States, yep. uh, things started to flare up again. Uh, and then I pulled out of Queensland States also because I had to handle out junior states, which was the same weekend. Yeah. But then... I registered for ACT states and, you know, things after the original Queensland states where I dialed back again, things laid up again. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, it was just, just continual, you know, we'd get to a certain point and it was just too much. Uh, my legs would just, my leg would just start to ache. I uh, wouldn't be able to squat and then mm. it just get too much. It was originally a deadlift issue, wasn't it? Originally the, yeah. the run I went on, when I pulled 300 kilos was when it kind of flared up yeah. the week I pulled 300 the week before that was when things got bad and then I was like nah like I've set myself this goal that I'm chasing this block or yep. this last like 10 weeks or something to pull 300 kilos I'm gonna do it yeah uh, and I kind of think I just made it worse by doing it by chasing a number but yep. I was set I was set on getting it yep uh, and then going into ACT states like I still performed great in both effectus yeah. and ACT states and then coming out of ACT states, I was fine again for a little while. And then, but it never really gone away. And then going into nationals prep because mm. it was a longer prep and it was something that I couldn't move the target. The target was always the same date. Yeah. Uh, it just got really, really bad. Mm. Uh, two to three weeks out or six weeks out even, like I, I couldn't really squat at all. Yeah. Uh, the whole movement had changed just from my body trying to organize itself in a yep. way. To, to avoid the pain. Yeah. But I pushed through, but in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have. 
but that's always going to be the case with me. It happens with powerlifting. You can't change the date of the competition. Yep. And you need one of your end goals to get to Malta, so... Yeah, had so to do those things. yeah, and I knew I had to win. I knew I could have won regardless. Yeah, but the thing is, I've also got other goals in mind that I'm chasing that are just winning that on that platform. Yeah, so being being better than what I have been before. Yeah, when when it was um bad, like going into I'll, I'll go into Nat's prep because that's probably when it was pretty evident that you'd lost a lot of range of motion through your hips. When you were squatting, what did you feel? So originally, just felt like I, I couldn't hit depth. Yeah, uh, it was just too restricted. I couldn't, yep. I couldn't open up. Um, I couldn't get anywhere near depth. Yeah. Or when I did, it was just I had no control over it. Yeah. Uh, I just lose my pelvis to hit depth. Uh, yeah. Just lose this connection that I create, and I just lose it to hit depth, and yep. then I could come out because the weight wasn't that heavy. But then as things kind of went further and the load got heavier, yeah, I just I didn't have the confidence to be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, and then as we kind of got closer. To Nats, I think it was like the last, this would have been the last two to three weeks. It felt like my hamstring was literally just like tearing off the bone. Yeah. Like from 70 kilos or even the barbell yeah. onwards yeah. all the way up to a top set. It was just that that feeling of just, just ripping. It was interesting. It started as like an adduct, what felt like an adductor tear. I guess Tom, Tom and Chris can put some insight into that. It's interesting as it was started as an adductor tear but then it was actually like felt like your adductor went but it was actually a hamstring problem yeah it's it's well it was 12 months so it's like mm -hmm. there was something that was it was always there yep but it just kind of just like moved around yeah and right. then it just got too bad to be able to push you like that adductor thing i don't think it was a tear when it happened because it just felt like something just like bubbled up in my leg and then just pulled but it yeah. didn't feel like it torn yep uh and then i ended up finishing that session i just used one leg <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. I, I just like shifted onto one leg and just used the other one. I think I just go say that um, sometimes in high level competition, we need to do things that we wouldn't we, we wouldn't prescribe others to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do what you gotta do, right? so, yeah. so please don't think that Steve makes his clients um, squat on one leg because he doesn't. No, not at, all. not at all. It's just. That's just me as a person as well as an athlete. Yeah. Uh, I'll just push through it. Steve athlete is different to coach Steve. Mm. Um, okay. Well, we've got a little bit of insight into um, what happened. And then obviously at nationals, you just felt like you had no power. No power. I, fe I felt super G trained on that day yeah, as well. It would have. Um, that's because I was doing no back down stuff for the last three weeks. You were gonna go, you went in D train because you couldn't get to that level that you need to be able to compensate from. Yeah, I had there was a zero super compensation effect. Um, you know, we we tapered what we would normally taper, but probably a bit less. Yeah, uh, and used an SSB, which was just nowhere near enough load, uh, and my body was just was not primed to compete. Nah, not primed to lift heavy, uh, and even like my deadlift, like I was doing minimal back down work on that as well. Yeah. Like you can see going into effectus that you were peaked as. Yeah, that's and that then, was the and that's day. just looked heavy. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, you know, you live and you learn. And, and as I said before, there's a date of a competition that you can't change. Yeah, so we're on the timeline. Yeah, you did your best going into it. Um, you know, you can only change what you do going into Malta now. Um, so, Tom and Chris, when you, did, you guys did your first assessment, before you even assessed Steve, what was your thoughts on the situation or what you were going into when you're assessing 
I guess like when Chris and I were talking about it, like the biggest thing is we know Steve being the athlete, athlete he is, we just wanted to make sure that with his rehab process, moving him back into training, we could keep him feeling like he could keep just pushing himself, like keep like weight on the bar as much as he could. Yep. So we didn't get any more of that detraining effect. So a lot of the, I suppose, the, the exercises we prescribed or the variations of things, we tried to keep it to a minimum yep. so that we could put more and more of the focus on just getting him to start building momentum with his training again. Yep. Yeah. So you wanted that to be the end goal of the first assessment no matter what? Yep. Yeah. So there was obviously there was some biomechanical things to take into account and things he had to work on, which we mostly just prescribed with the warm-up drills and then a couple of variations or yep. more constraints with the accessories. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, it was a big part of it as well was just making sure that... I, I guess like the pain was starting to come down alongside training momentum going up. Yeah. So yeah. like from your assessment, um, you know, I just talked about adductor and hamstring stuff from your assessment, like biomechanically dive deep into some biomechanical talk right now. What is that? What, what was going on? I guess for me anyway, the initial part where Steve first felt his adductor go would have been, um, I guess some form of an adductor issue. Um, hence why he was squatting on the one leg. But as we know, I guess with the hamstrings also helping in some form of hip extension, um, Steve's still completing the squat sessions following that, including the one that he did the one on one leg. Um, I can assume that he would have used the hamstrings to help extend his hip when he's squatting. So I guess having the hamstrings do more in that uh, movement than they usually would yep. because he you know, had hurt that adductor yep. um, would definitely have, I guess overloaded them to a degree um, and then just sort of had a flow on effect um, in the following weeks of prep. Yeah. So originally you think this is your hypothesis because we always have one when we're dealing with athletes. Yes. That started as an adductor issue, then the adductor just couldn't do anything. Is that what you think? Yeah. So because the adductor couldn't do anything, the Mm. body will always find a way to do the job. Yeah. Whether it be in the least efficient way. Um, or, or the most efficient way. Yeah. Um, but our body will do what it needs to do to complete what we want, Yeah. right? So I guess in this case, it was the hamstrings doing the job as opposed to the adductor um, to help extend the hip. Yeah, right. And in that case for him, would it would doing that make it seem like he's quite falling backwards when he's squatting? Or because like my view was what I could see when he started squatting, that the pelvis just stayed locked. Yeah. Is that the hamstrings locking on or? Yeah, I guess... Um, and, and you can tell me otherwise, Tom, but from, from me anyway, the, where the hamstrings insert at the bottom of the pelvis, um, having them do more work in that hip extension, they would need to orientate themselves, I guess, in more of a contracted or a shortened position um, yep. for them to be able to do that job, yep. which would then allow, I guess, or make that pelvis more, more tucked, hence falling That's backwards a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Is that right? Yeah. Well, like, um, I suppose like one of the big things we noticed is that, and this sort of led into why a lot of his depth started to lock up as well, is that his femur just became really, really heavily internally rotated. Yeah. So that was like be contributing to pushing his center of mass backwards, feeling like his adductor and his hamstring would never really get a chance to like yield itself, lengthen itself under the load. And like the big thing we need to be able to hit depth is we need some form of external rotation of the femur. And so if that adductor was really locked in an internally rotated position, he was just going to be dumping his pelvis or like flexing his spine to get as much depth as he could. Yeah, and it, it kind of makes sense because I remember at the start when you were trying to work your way through it or you thought that internal rotation was going to help more. Yeah. So it was kind of like feeding into 
feeling better for a little while and then nah. And that, I guess that was a tricky thing is that it does to a certain extent. It's like if we dive into it a bit more, the big thing we needed was we needed external rotation of his femur, but adduction of his pelvis. Yeah. So when he did adduction work, it helped a bit because it would adduct his pelvis, but at the same time his femur would come along for the ride. Yeah. So it would kind of make it feel better, but also kind of make it worse in the long term. Yeah. Um, because then yeah, you'd was, get really healing and yeah, stuff like yeah. that with the squat. I just got yeah. like, kind of got caught in this vicious cycle where it was just feeling better but feeling worse but feeling better but feeling worse sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Every day you'd walk into work being like, it's a good day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, a shit day. Day. <laughs> it's a good day. It's a shit day. <laughs> I had good and bad days going for, for months. Yeah. Months on end. Frustrating, man. Frustrating. So like when you did the actual assessment, what did you guys run through? Uh, I suppose like usual sort of like just a quick movement screen, both body weight and under a barbell to see what was happening. Yep. And then we just took it to the table because we need to have an isolated look and see what parts of his body were moving and what parts weren't. Because yep. as he felt, like he felt very locked and stiffed up like through his hips. So yep. we just had to make sure that um, we could, I suppose, isolate where we needed the movement with those warm-up rehabby drills. Yep. And then that freed him up to then just move a little bit more comfortably under the barbell within the constraints that he had with his super high heel SSB work initially. Yeah. So let's go through the a test that you did. And for people listening at home, please don't repeat these tests. If you've got hamstring pain, <laughs> they're not going to work. Um, so for Steve, what the tests that you went through, what were they? And then what, what range deficits did you see? to remember back to specifically what it was but the biggest thing we found is, was there was a lot of pain with hip flexion so yep. when we took like put him like in a lying down his back position or supine position on the table and we took him through hip flexion that would hurt quite a bit so and like a straight leg raise or um, both straight just, leg raise and yep. bent knee just yeah, like marching just, the knee up yeah, yeah, yeah both hurt quite a bit the deeper we went into and a lot of it was accompanied with quite excessive you know like butt wink or posterior tilt or lumbar flexion or whatever you want to call it Um, And that that was probably the the standout one. Um, We had a bit of pain with internal rotation with hip flexion well, which makes sense with the femur being more internally rotated. Um, And then just movements like hip extension were hard, but not painful. Right. Very, very hard. Yeah, they just didn't really move. No wrong at all. Yeah, even when I went and seen physio the first time, I I couldn't get any hip extension. Like I I got like off the the bed, like up an inch, not even an inch. Yeah, right. And what did it feel like? It just, I just couldn't. Couldn't do it. It just wouldn't go anywhere. It was just locked up. Yeah, right. So that's probably why deadlifting felt like dog shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's all all lumbar. So much meat there now. (laughs) (laughs) It's got such a noodly spine. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. So hip flexion. All right. So taking that off the table and you said you've mentioned warm-up drills a couple of times. So I guess... Let's go through load management strategies with warm-up drills mm. and prescription when you're talking about someone who is prepping for the top-level competition because there's different types of athletes, right? And I guess you guys specialize in, specialize in keeping athletes moving in their sport. So let's go talk about how you did that with the drills and how that transferred into load management. Mm. Um, so I guess like... Every athlete or every client has like a certain pain tolerance they have and they've got like a margin they like to work within like so they can work up to a certain amount of pain and then anything like after that and they won't do anything else. Yeah. So with Steve, we know his pain tolerance is pretty high and he wants to get like training again. 
So we wanted to give him the bare minimum that would make him feel a little bit better and basically just put him into a better position to then get straight into training. Yep. So most of the stuff was like a little bit of like an analgesic effect just to make some of the pain drop slightly, but a lot of it revolved around just making his range of motion better so he could comfortably get to depth. Yep. something like squats so you focused on hip flexion range or? yes so yeah. the, the big things we focused on was trying to restore hip flexion by training the hamstring and then adding some femoral external rotation work on top of that to make sure that the adductor wasn't getting stuck for lack of a better word as he tried to drop into the squat how does uh going back to what chris said before how does training the hamstring help hip flexion so i guess in the position that we had steve doing it was quite deep in hip flexion um, and the way that we were cueing it as well was trying to get as much length through the hamstrings as we could while they were contracting. So I guess if we think about the position he was in, lying on his back with his heels on a box, uh, like a small 30-centimeter box, really close up in hip flexion, yep. um, while trying to, I guess, anteriorly tilt or dump his pelvis the opposite way as to what he's used to doing yep. while, while getting those hamstrings firing. We'll try to lengthen them um, and give that analgesic effect so he can squat somewhat comfortably initially. How did that go yeah. initially? Uh, good. Yeah. Everything, like, I mean, if we go back to the week of Nats, yeah. um, I couldn't squat. I couldn't bodyweight squat, nah. if you remember, um, at all. And mm. that was when I was like, man, I need, I need to I need to be able to get under a fucking barbell on a Friday. <laughs> this is good. Yeah. <laughs> you left it to the week off. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I waited till then because I was like, I'm going to do everything. And then I know that this taper gives me some kind of you know effect in feeling some relief because yeah. it has every time but this was the worst this was like i can't fucking body weight you squat. actually could not squat uh, and i need to get under a barbell on friday and i need to put something relatively heavy on my back um else this has not been worth it whatsoever mm. uh and you know, that's when i first went to tom and that was when we did those isometrics uh, for that whole week, I did them for fucking hours a day. <laughs> yeah. Did you go home and do them for hours? Yeah, it was. took the box yeah. home. Yeah. I took the box home. <laughs> did I know that you took the box home? <laughs> yeah, I remember leaving and being like, "How much do you want me to do this?" And Tom was like, "Just, just stop until you're ready." And I remember I messaged myself, "You, if like, I'll do this for five hours if I could do it for five hours to squat on Friday. Like, I don't care how yeah. long." He's like. Just like half an hour, I'm like, okay. Half an hour, I'll do it. Yeah, that's a lot less than I was expecting then, so sweet. Uh, and how, that, Yeah, how did that go first? Uh, good. Um, I think I barbell squatted on the Wednesday. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah we yeah. got up to 170 and it was there, um, but it wasn't nearly as bad. Uh, and then we got to Friday and as soon as I started warming up, uh, we got because I, I hadn't gone over 170 since that day. Yeah. As soon as I put like 220 on my back, I was like, "Oh shit!" Like I'm just locking up again. I got someone to record my warm ups, and I was an inch or two high, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, this isn't good. Yeah. Uh, this hurts." And then you know we got to my opener, three reds, couldn't hit depth, uh, and then we just I just hit my second. I went up anyway. I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> I went up anyway. <laughs> But it was, you know, it was easy. It moved really easy. Like I was strong enough to do it. So I went up and then I just, just kept going down as deep as I could possibly go. And then I just, I guess I just stood back up. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't really feel too much pain because if I could block this out yep. and just go for it, then I was, I was pretty fine. But mm -hmm. that's really hard to do when you're feeling a lot of pain Yeah. Uh, in general. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was the hardest thing. But being able to squat that day, 
itself I thought was really good. Yeah. Because uh, I if, you, if we go back to the Monday and I was like, oh, I had serious yeah, doubts. And, and it was only us in this room that uh, people that saw you through that prep and it was, you were really struggling. It was rough. It was, it was rough. rough. Yeah, it was bad. Um, really bad considering I couldn't do any back down stuff you know yeah. people seeing what I was doing on Instagram it looks like I was having a great prep but you've seen the one single I was doing a week yeah a couple of take home things don't believe everything you see on Instagram is number one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and number two don't reach out to Tom three days before the competition <laughs> <laughs> you're sitting right here yeah. for a whole year <laughs> I think um, as an athlete myself though I'm always going to do everything that I can. If I feel like yeah. there's some way that I'm going to be held back in what I'm doing, then yeah. I'm not going to reach out. I'm going to nah. wait uh, and then and then move forward after. Yeah. And as soon as, like, I said to Tom after, uh, before, well, during the week, like, of that, I said, after Friday, like, mm. we get ready for Malta. Yeah. Um, I think, and I think it's really hard for people to understand because, you know, you'd come in, you come into the business and you, the whole time that you'd been at Perth, you'd been prepping, right? Yeah. Like, which is crazy considering how many preps these guys need to go through. So in your mind, it's like, put my weight on the butt, put my weight on the butt every week. But on the other side, it's like Tom's perfecting his art of helping people put more weight on the bar. So it's hard for an athlete to see at that stage what they actually do and how they can actually keep weight on the bar for people. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I think now moving forward, like for you, you probably reach out all the time, right? And be like, Let's oh go. yeah, hundred percent. If if yeah. I if it gets bad, like the way that we've managed the last, I don't even know how many weeks it's been since that's now, like maybe ten, yeah, eight to ten. Yeah. ten yeah. The way that we've managed this last ten weeks, like I just keep feeling better each yeah. week. Like if the because I I don't really have a pain scale. I don't know how to rate pain. I got yeah. like like I said before, like I've got tolerable and not tolerable mm. at all. Uh, and if I say that um, that week of nuts is a ten. Then 10. each week has come down like one level. Yeah, right. So I'm, I'm in a really good spot right That's now. That's good. So let's go. So you started off with lengthening the hamstrings and hip flexion. Where do you go from there? I suppose like um, once he got back his ability to hit like depth in the squat – that's when we put all our focus into just making him feel like he could push and get his strength back again. Yep. So when we, we started putting more of a focus back into, you know, restoring his ability to internally rotate. Yeah. Because um, we had to put so much emphasis on just like getting him down into a comfortable hip flexion position that yep. he wasn't really doing as much like hip extension pushing work as he once was, especially with the um, variations that we had to give him with his squatting, which was very high heel. The high heel stuff lets him hit depth more comfortably. It but doesn't it, push. It does shift his center of mass back a little bit. Yeah. So it makes it a bit harder to really practice the pushing element. Yeah. That's a really big um, thing that I've learned in the last year is putting heels on to hit depth for a lot of people isn't really wise. Mm. No. Because it just keeps it pushing backfire. you backwards yeah. and it backfires on you. Um, so restoring hip flexion is the way to go. Yeah. And making sure someone can just keep center of mass forward, forward. when they are in hip flexion. Like, um, that's the only downside of heels. Like, if you do have that structural ankle block, use them, but stay forward. Don't let yourself come back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, so, like, I noticed with um, Steve's program now, restoring internal rotation, is that the hinging? So there's a bit of hinging doing it, but it's also, there's a lot of, I guess, just almost like triple extension work where it's just a combination of 
starting to bring more force being created through the toe, through the quad, through the adductor, through the back, through the hip. Just a lot of extension focus work. So that's like a bit more 45 degree, a bit more GHR. There's a couple of like um, warm up drills that do the same sort of thing. Yep. And then that's going to progress nicely with him moving back towards more of his comp style squatting and deadlifting. Yeah, right. And with the 45, like I'll talk about the 45 because that's used a lot yeah. by lifters, right? How do you change it based on what you need so for steve you need him to push through it what are some things that you would change just like in 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 queuing in general um i suppose like there's there's really two sort of ultimate ways you can cue it you can cue it as a pull or you can cue it as a push so like with a pull it's very more like toes up it'll feel like uh, hamstrings back are just like pulling the weight up versus cueing more through the toe the quad and making it like a triple extension push jump tall movement yep they're like the two ways you can probably do it yep so if someone was falling backwards in their heels on the squat you want them to push more yes and someone was falling forwards you want them to pull more is that correct yeah yeah got it that's just put my brain in to play with a few of my athletes (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty it's pretty interesting with i guess cueing the different pull and push with the back extension purely because i guess the 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 way that they'll feel the exercise is going to be completely different so like tom was saying with the heels you're going to get a lot more hamstring low back um but you'll also get a lot more knee flexion i've found with those athletes as well yeah whereas when you are getting that triple extension it's really important to make sure that the athlete is squeezing their quads as hard as they can yeah um, which will suck um, but it's you'll get so much more I, out of it and so much more adductor too. Yeah. Um, but it would just help you so much I physically more. couldn't do it when we first started my knee rehab. Mm. I could not squeeze my quads. Yeah. But now I'm all over it. All over <laughs> it. Now I have. <laughs> so I guess that's like just the biggest, I guess, takeaway if you put that in a program yep. uh, with the athletes, Kel. Yeah. Um, make sure that they squeeze the shit out of their quads. Quads. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Listen, everybody. <laughs> um, quads. So... Before I talk to Steve about load management as an athlete, I want to talk to you guys about some ways that you communicate your load load management strategies with people who are going to put load on the bar no matter what. So what are some ways you – and we have a lot of them, right? And as, as, as powerlifting coaches, I have them too, and I have ways that I communicate with these guys. I'm not going to tell them to not put load on the bar, but I'm going to ex- explain what that means or, and, or, and help them to educate themselves on it. What are some types of ed- education and language that you use when you're talking to someone for the first time or dealing with long-term issues like this? Yeah, um, I guess what I typically will do with athletes that are you know, needing to put load on the bar is making sure that we only, I guess, put as much as we need. So I guess we could call it the minimal effective amount that they would need to continue to progress. So like Steve was doing throughout his prep, just hitting that top set and you know minimal back down work. Yep. So that way he was still getting that exposure mm-hmm. um, and still building some somewhat momentum mm-hmm. and building some fatigue yep. uh, coming into the competition while we're not necessarily exacerbating the issue at hand. Um, yep. If it's something that we can't, I guess, manage or, or fix right away and it's something that we need to wait till after prep, um, then that would be my sort of go-to straight away. Yeah. What about you, Tom? You got any scales that you use or anything that you use with Steve now? So mm. uh, Chris just went over beforehand. Mm. What about now? Like post now? Yeah, like, like, you know, so S- Steve's going to train hard, right? And exactly. he's going to put as much load on the bar. And I think one day, what? Did, how many sets of deadlifts did you do one day? Not gone? Oh, I don't know. 
Yeah. <laughs> like fucking 20 sets of deadlifts. How are you, what if he came away from those 20 sets of deadlifts and said, I just cooked my hamstring again? Yeah. And, you know, some people would be like, don't do that. You know what I mean? Blah, blah, blah. What do you, how do you deal with those situations? I mean, like, yeah, at the end of the day, you can't stop someone from doing it. If they're going to do it because that's how they get to first, they're going to keep putting weight on the bar. They're going to keep thrashing themselves in the yep. gym. So, I use a combination of, I suppose, making sure that the rehabby style exercises are done to the best possible standard. Yeah. So at least in that sense, if you know he does go overboard doing 19 million sets of deadlifts and yep. shifts all the way back on his heels again, the extension work is still driving him forward. So yep. we get kind of mitigate some of the effects of the effect, like excessive deadlifting. Yeah. Um, but also as well, just like continuing to make sure that all the accessories have that one purpose for him is just continually driving forward yeah like as much as possible so that he could still just go like kill himself on deadlifts and squats but the accessories will just keep driving him back to where he needs to be yeah so it doesn't feel like he has to hold himself back too much he can just keep focusing on putting more weight on the bar, progressing it, working it back to where it needs to be and letting the accessories do their job. Yeah, so you're managing the issue through load with accessories. Yeah, that's my favourite way to do it. I try to avoid as much um, changing of technique as possible and just try and make sure that my stuff that I need to do is hidden in accessories. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. That's really good. Hang on, I'm just going to let the siren go past. (laughs) (laughs) Perks of being in the city. Um... Yeah, I think that was kind of where I was getting with that, making sure that the accessories fit the program. Yeah, yeah. everyone has, like, I suppose, the specifics for their accessories that can make them feel better or feel stronger. Yeah. It's just a matter of using our assessment to find out what that is. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's a good thing of, like, with us specifically, my accessories in my guys' programs doesn't change much at ever. When I find what works, it stays. Mm. And it's working because it's pushing them into a position that they need to be in. Yeah. And need more of. Mm, yeah. um, okay, so let's chat about athlete with you now because you've had to change basically your whole progression with squats and deadlifts. Talk about what you did with yourself and Sean and where it's going. So we basically just, uh, we've modified a lot of things um, to start with. So... Oh, what do we what do we start with? You know, I'm hitting high bar squats, uh, which I haven't done in years. Yep. Uh, which I hate. Yeah. But I've got to do them, uh, and I'll do whatever it takes. I don't care. Yeah. Um, we still have the double heel stuff, and I hit one comp single a week. Um, that was so four weeks. You had four weeks in no barbell work. Remember? Four weeks of no. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, you had four weeks of no barbell work because that's all I heard about. Yeah, four three weeks ago. Two weeks ago. <laughs> four, four, four weeks of um, SSB. Yeah. Fight out on a Friday. Um, I think I would high bar still on a Monday. Nah, you had four weeks of nothing. You were SSB three days a week. Yeah. Oh yeah, so actually I was. SSB. Yeah, SSB three days. Yeah, week. yeah, a lot of SSB. Fuck that. And then <laughs> and then I yeah I just wanted a barbell on my back, so yeah. I went high bar. Yep. Uh, and that was about four weeks ago. Yep. And then the week, that same week that I did high bar is when I fir- hit my first comp single because I was just like, look, I'm just gonna fucking see where I'm at. I'm gonna yep. do it, and I think I worked up to like. 220 yeah, it was that. yeah yeah and um and since then we've just been progressing slowly right so 
rather than adding anything extra, I've still only been hitting one single on that Friday, but I'm doing one extra warm up to get to that top single. Yep. So the top single has been getting heavier, but I'm doing one extra on the way there. So to start with, I went, you know, I went 70, 120, uh, 170, 200, 220. But now the next week I only hit 225. So I'm only taking a five kilo jump, but I hit something in the middle. Yeah. So I went like 200, 215, 225. Yeah. Uh, so I'm hitting one extra uh, warm up there, which is the way to progress it slowly. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and this week we're going to actually hit one, one more back down. Yep. Uh, and starting, most things have been from just how I felt on the day. So mm. the the high bar was just how I felt on that day. I was like, I'm going to try and put a barbell on my back now. Yep. Uh, because I'm not feeling it as bad. Yep. Um, that comp squat was me being like, okay, I just need to see how I feel. Yep. Uh, and then last week I pulled from the floor, yep. uh, which was the first time. So to, so to start with, I had no uh, sumo deadlift. I yeah, you were conventional. Conventional. Yeah. conventional on a Wednesday and trap bar on a Friday, mm. uh, which we've now moved that day away from squatting. So we don't kind of put too much in one day. Mm. Uh, and then last week I didn't have access to any, any kind of blocks or mats because we were starting sumo uh, from an elevation just to mm -hmm. decrease the ROM and I didn't have access to anything. So I pulled from the floor and just yep. kept the load down Yep. and it was fine. Yep. It wasn't fine. It was better. That's good. Uh, so now next week or this week, we're starting to pull from the floor. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of been a way of, we've been navigating our way around it and kind of, you know, moving, moving the target mm. at the same time while I'm just seeing how I feel week to week. Mm. And I guess some um, observations from me is, hearing you talk about leg doms for the first time yeah yeah in ages you know yeah and actually feeling my adductors again which hasn't been since that effect is prep yeah like i have not felt them at all yeah uh, and they're such a large part of the way that i lift yeah which made things really really hard actually benches become uh, easier as well more leg drive more leg drive and just like i can stay on the bench better yeah because uh, my body was just like fighting the whole time to yeah. to just like just drive my hips off the bench yeah uh, I remember that yeah yeah it just that that one side too the same side that mm. hurts yeah my body was just trying to find extension the only way I could find it was like just driving my hip off the bench yeah right so up yeah yeah right um any so many athletes with what you just described for the first four weeks would have gone crazy yeah only doing sumo <laughs> no uh, conventional and trap bar and ssb three days a week yeah, I Were just, you hating life? Not really. Um, it was a much needed kind of break, I guess, yeah. from the way that I trained because I trained really specific. Yeah. Uh, and I was in that much pain that I know it needed to be done because I have one goal in mind and that's yeah. to be like the best version I can be in Malta. Yeah. So I know it needed to be done. I already had that discussion with Tom prior to that's that, you know, I, don't, I need to be the best that I can be yeah. in eight months time I don't care what it takes or how long yep. it takes to get there and I can always revert back to when I kind of broke my arm yep. and that was when I had to take you know 10 weeks off anything upper body but I still came back six months later and PR my total so I yeah. know that this time away from the comp specific lifting is doable, is doable mm -hmm. and you can still get stronger but it's just really hard to do when you're not actually feeling pain as well yeah, so it was more of a fact that you were forced to do it, so it was okay. Yeah, so it's, for me as an athlete, like I'll push through anything, I don't care, but once something gets too far and yeah. I'm forced to stop, yeah, that's when I, I know. Yeah. Uh, and it's like I've almost said to Tom before as well, or Chris, like I'd rather break my arm 
then have, you were forced to stop. Yeah, then have to go through what I went through in terms of just being like able to push through the pain, mm-hmm. but it being that bad. Yeah. Because it was just was this much my, my arm itself was the same. It was just like it got almost yeah. not tolerable at all until the point where yeah. it just snapped. You felt a lot of pressure after the performance that you had in ACT to come back and do that at nationals as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Because that ACT performance was phenomenal, so. Yeah. That was, yeah, that ranked me number one across all feds drug tested. Yeah, so, so I needed to do better. To come back and do better, so yeah. a sore leg probably wasn't going to hold you back, mm. but yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Now, yeah, no, you're doing really well. Um, plans for, do you guys have a checkpoint? Have you got a checkpoint in your head that you are going to get to that you know, all right, it's time to go? And do you have a checkpoint that you'll look at, Steve, when you see him, when, how often you see him to go, all right, it's, you're ready to go? I think at this stage, it's very much like he'll know when he's ready to go again. Like when everything is kind of just cut back down to like the bare minimum sort of pain that it once was. Yeah. Like um, at, at this stage, yeah, he's giving me good feedback um, each time I ask on just how everything's progressing. Like really, the big thing from a observational standpoint is just watching him progressively get more and more forward on his foot again. Um, and I think that'll tee up perfectly with when he feels back to 100. percent Yeah. Yeah. You? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's it's actually I'm taking the small wins for once. Um, which is the gradual project uh, progress that we're making um, yep. and just like the modification. So from adding that one set this week, you know, to actually being able to deadlift off the floor, like they're, they're small wins, but they feel huge Yeah. Uh, because I can do them again. Yeah. Uh, whereas I couldn't do them before. So for me, it's, I think it's just kind of going to happen naturally. Yep. So we're going to, yeah, we're at a one set. Eventually it's two, like everything I'm doing is slow at the moment, but I'm not phased by that for once. I'm just like... Do you think it's helping you grow as an athlete? I think so, yeah. Because um, I know I'm not getting weaker. Like, the way that I moved 245 last week was just as good as I've moved it ever. Mm-hmm. So, it's all working and it's all coming together and it felt way more natural. Yeah, you don't look jammed. Mm. Yeah, and I could just, like, drop in and I was yep. fine. It's not like you're, like, leading into nuts. You were searching, I guess, for depth. You're not searching as much anymore. You're getting there. Yeah, no, nah, it's, just, it's just like I'm just there. Uh, and it feel it feels good. Everything feels kind of good at the moment. Um, you know, it's the the gradual um, progress is the biggest thing. Yeah. That it's like I know right now, like I could probably go back to my normal kind of program. Yeah. Um, but there's no point. No. Because then I just end up back square one. Yeah. Moving forward, when you do go back to a specific program, what are some movements that you're going to make sure that you continue to do? for pretty much the rest of your lifting career so you don't go back to what happened before? Uh, I think we're going to add, like, pr- keep hinging in. Yeah. Uh, we need to keep some sort of hinging in and yeah. probably anything that Tom suggests as well and Chris suggests as well <laughs> that, that I need <laughs> to keep Tom doing. Hail Tom and Chris. <laughs> <laughs> that, that I need to keep doing. Yeah. Uh, else I'll end up back there. But yeah. the biggest thing is, you know, actually keeping some, because I had no hinging work in my program for yeah. so long. So long. Uh, and I guess I just got stuck. Yeah. So we're keeping that in there and then yep. the rest will just come as time goes. But like my program itself has not changed uh, in a very long time. And, but why would it when I was always making progress? 100%. 100%. I think that's just where the accessories come in. Yeah. So in hindsight, hinging, 
was the only thing that was really missing that you could have had in there. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that it would stop what happened, but you know what I mean. Like I added it in towards the end, but it was just too, too late. late. By the time I'd added the hinging in, it was just yeah. pulling the whole time, and I could. It was just making the hamstring flare up more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I think that'll do us for today. So if you're listening and you're struggling with a long-term injury uh, and you don't want to take load off the bar or you want to work with some people who know what they're doing, um, message Tom and Chris because they're all over it. Yeah. Do you guys have anything you want to add to that? Um, reach out before it's too late. <laughs> not not <laughs> yeah. three days out, please. Please don't do it three days out to the competition. Because <laughs> uh, I guess the sooner, the sooner you do reach out, the sooner we can get you sorted and you know keep you progressing the way you want to um, yeah. and not have to, I guess pull you back as much as you know we would we wouldn't like to yeah and i guess going to that too what steve went through with the even though it was diagnosed as a tear it's super common oh yeah the hamstring pain yeah it's just hamstring pain because you don't have any hip flexion yeah a lot of um a lot of people kind of get it and they talk about it and they they get on top of it a lot quicker than i would but i'm someone that just was just like i'm go yeah and again i think it was just the way that you lift you lift yourself do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I think other people can get around it because they're leverages or anything like that, um, or putting heels on. Yeah. That's how people get around it, right? As uh, well. Some people do, yeah. They're lucky enough. Yeah. But I guess where I'm going with that is lifters seem to have the very common issues. Yes. You know? Um, the same type of shoulder pain and the same type of knee pain. We all do the same three lifts. We all do the same three lifts. (laughs) We all have the same compensations. So yeah, if you're a lifter and you're struggling with the same type of issues that keep coming up during the prep or, you know, at a certain load or anything like that, don't, um, don't hesitate to reach out to the boys. Mm. All right. Thanks guys. Thank Thank you.